This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Settling in a new city can raise lots of questions. How does the bus service work? Can I join the local library? Where do I go to get advice on renting a home? Over the next half hour, the team from Citizens Advice Bureau bring you all the latest news and information of special interest to new migrants settling in Dunedin. Welcome to Resettling in Aotearoa with Citizens Advice Bureau. No my Heidi Mai, Kia ora Arnold. Uh, welcome back to our monthly Resettling in Aotearoa show on Otago Access Radio. Um, Ko Anna Tokuingo, my name's Anna, I'm the manager at Citizens Advice Bureau, Dunedin, um, Te Pau Whakawhirinaki o Otipoti. Today, Andy Mackenzie Everett, Emergency Management Advisor at Dunedin City, has joined us. Tēnā koe, Andy. Thank you, Anna. Um, so, so uh, firstly, would you tell us about the Dunedin City catchment and a little about Otago as a whole? Um, Dunedin has the second largest land area of any New Zealand city. Um, yeah, so what does this, the geography mean for emergency management? Yeah, so uh, kia ora everyone. Uh, great to be here. Dunedin City has got the second largest land area of any New Zealand city. It's uh, pretty extensive, about 3,000 square kilometres. And it ranges from intensive urban development, uh, particularly around the harbour, to the sparsely populated high country in the Strathairy. Uh, much of the city's land is hilly, and this results in geographical separation from uh, of the many communities and, uh, and the possibility of their isolation during a natural hazard-based uh, emergency. Uh, in addition, you'd say that a, sig- a significant portion of the city's building stock, uh, including the many historic buildings, may not meet modern earthquake design standards, and much of the industrial part of Dunedin is built on uh, reclaimed land around the harbour and this all creates uh, problems in terms of uh, response to natural uh, disasters. In in a similar way, Otago is is a large region with a dispersed population with a real risk of isolation of the many communities during a natural hazard event. Uh, And so what this means for us is that we, we have to build resilience into the communities that may become uh, isolated. Uh, And what do we mean by resilience? We're talking about the ability for individuals and communities to manage the risks, be ready to respond and recover from emergencies, and by empowering and supporting individuals, organisations, communities to act for themselves, for the safety and well-being of all. Because during a natural natural disaster response, it may be that the emergency services can't get there and the civil defence framework can't kick in in the immediate aftermath. So people have to be resilient. Yeah, they have to be able to maybe cope on their own for a short period of time before the services can get there. So um, there's a fair list of all the hazards that could potentially affect Dunedin and Otago. Um, so I thought we could just start with earthquakes. There are a few earthquakes around um, Otago Dunedin, but they're, they're pretty unpredictable. How, how can people prepare for an earthquake? And then what should they do during and immediately after an earthquake? Yep, we, we do have a history of uh, earthquakes in Dunedin and certainly the wider uh, Tiger area. Uh, we have some active fault lines just offshore, which run uh, parallel to the coast. Uh, the active Akitori uh, Takapu earthquake fault system. Inland, uh, we have in the Strathairy, we have the Hyde fault system. And of course, we've got the main Alpine. Alpine Fault, which uh, goes right across the uh, the Southern Alps. 
Uh, the soft soils in South Dunedin, Tyree Plain, reclaimed land around the harbour, perform poorly in earthquakes, uh, yielding higher intensity felt effects than those experienced in other parts of the city, uh, and a higher probability of the type of liquefaction we saw in, in Christchurch over the last few years. There's also a history of land instability caused by seismic activity uh, in parts of the city. Uh, the Alpine Fault is the one I want to talk about. This is this is the big one that people should take note of. It's overdue uh, Alpine, too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it, 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 indeed it is. The Alpine Fault Hazard Scenario. This describes an, uh, a larger than uh, an 8.2 scale Alpine Fault event uh, with a rupture length right along the Southern Alps to about 400 kilometres. There's evidence that tells us the recurrence interval is about 300 years. The last major rupture was in 1717, so it's calculated that there's a 70% probability of a large uh, eight-plus earthquake within the next 50 years. Uh, if, if I don't see this, my, my kids will. So what? What, what does this actually mean? Um, what we are going to witness is two minutes of severe shaking, which will be worse than West Otago, but still will impact along the coast here in Dunedin. Uh, there's going to be significant building damage, uh, countless landslides, bridges will fail, roads will suffer serious damages, rock avalanches may even cause uh, inland tsunamis. There will be damage to the hydro plants and transmission lines. Uh, this will result in the immediate shutdown of the South Island power generation uh, and the wide, widespread disruption of uh, reticulation. Electricity is likely to be out for a matter of weeks, uh, even in Dunedin. Uh, all landlines, cell phone, internet, comms, uh, less satellite will be down for days and weeks. Water, sewerage, transport, health, social services are all likely to be uh, disrupted for weeks. So we're going to see a sudden onset national civil defence emergency of long duration. Medical and emergency services are going to be overwhelmed. and We will require overseas assistance. So life, normal life is going to be disrupted for a matter of uh, weeks uh, and months. There's extensive advice on how we should all prepare for this. And perhaps we can talk about that later with the various uh, information sites that we've got available online. Yeah. But, but if I may make the point now, uh, you know, we, we all as individuals and families and communities need to plan to be self-reliant for at least seven days. So this includes having stored water, food, medical supplies, alternative means of cooking and heating for the entire household, including animals. Uh, I'd advise people to, to look at the home, their property or the business and develop scenarios around the risk factors. Uh, develop a plan about what you need in order to be prepared and encourage others to do likewise. Yeah, it's pretty, um, I know we all, yeah, it is very important. It's good to hear it told to us, you know. We all know, but, you know, it's good to have those reminders for sure. Perhaps I should add the immediate action drill on an earthquake just to make sure that our listeners yeah. are aware, uh, particularly people who are new to the city and the country. Uh, the earthquake drill all over New Zealand is a simple one. In the event of an earthquake, we encourage people to drop, cover and hold. Uh, this stops you being knocked over, makes you a smaller target for debris, and it protects your head, neck, and vital organs. So drop down, cover your hands and knees. Uh, sorry, drop down on your hands and knees. Uh, cover your head and neck. 
hold on to your shelter and move with it if possible. Drop, cover, hold. Sheltering in doorways is not advisable. Better off find a corner of a room or underneath uh, a large table if, if one's available. Uh, don't run outside. Many people are injured trying to move during the actual shaking. So what we need can to, you just, to do. Can you just, because, um, you know, growing up, we were always told the doorway. Why has that changed? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the science changes. The studies change. Uh, oh. We can only go off uh, expert advice. Because that's not obviously just the door frames being proven to not be that. I think, I think I was reading one article that suggested in the Japan experience of late that most survivors were found in building voids and they were under large tables and in the corner of rooms. Quite often the lintel of a doorway uh, takes a lot of strain yeah. uh, and, and is the first thing to fail. Now, look, I'm not an expert in this field. I can only re recite what I've read. But our yep. advice, please, drop, cover, hold. Uh, and the corner's obviously more stable because it's got two walls supporting it. Yeah, you, you're more yeah. chances of survival, I think the studies have shown. Yeah, cool. All right. Thank you. So um, the next one, flooding, which is playing out in Nelson as we speak. Um, so you guys monitor rainfall and river flows. Or no, you don't. The ORC does. Um, from storms, you know, and including warnings, you know, for those that might be at risk. Um so do you want to just talk to us a little bit about the, the threats that might come from flooding uh, and, you know, yeah, again, how people prepare, etc. Yeah, well, of course, so we're looking at Nelson right now, but we're also looking at, at our own experience just, just three weeks ago yeah. when the Civil Defence Emergency Operations Centre, known as the Bunker, was activated and we spent a couple of, uh, you know, uh, all, all day, all night periods in here trying to manage the flood response the evacuation yep. around the uh, the Leith Lindsay. Uh, we, we need to look at the geography. Flooding is is the biggest risk we have here in terms of occurrence. There's two large river systems. There's many smaller uh, streams systems which feed into the larger systems. Uh, we have a number of flood plains as well, and a whole history of uh, flooding events uh, going back to when the centre of Dunedin was flooded in 1921. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a serious flood then. So um, what do we do about it? it? It's This natural hazard presents a real threat to life and property, so we have to take some measures. The, the Otago Regional Council Natural Hazards Team actively monitors uh, river flows, rainfall levels, and ground saturation at a large number of sites across Otago. And the details can be found online at the ORC website. Um, in, in the event of a likelihood of inundation, the ORC duty flood officer will contact the emergency management Otago duty officer to begin the process, which may lead to a civil defence act activation. So we do get early warning in most of the flood prone areas. Resources, of course, are always limited, so some catchments can't be fully monitored. Uh, and of course, flooding can also result not just from river flow and topography, but also from some of the more unpredictable processes like bank erosion, debris blockage, and excess uh, stormwater. So we ask the public to remain vigilant during periods of heavy rain, uh, particularly with, when the ground is already saturated. Uh, as with other emergencies, it pays to have a plan to have thought it through beforehand uh, and indeed rehearsed your plan before an event. So I, I'd encourage people to analyze the risk where they live 
and, and create an actionable plan for all the family members and their animals. So this is where people can actually help themselves. You know, if you've got drains that are prone to blocking, unblock the, if you're able-bodied, un unblock your own drains. Have the DCC telephone number handy. If you can't block any drains and you perceive a, a bit of a risk developing, let the council know. They'll do something about it. And of course, if there's ever uh, an immediate threat to life, then one should call triple one. Uh, during an emergency, if uh, flooding is looking likely, uh, it's best for the members of the public to stay informed. So listen to the radio, check the emergency management websites, and also check your phone frequently for the uh, emergency mobile alerts, which we will send as a text from civil defence uh, if, if we need to. Uh, consider self-evacuating early on a safe route to friends and family. Take your pets with you. Before you go, move stock and lifestyle animals to high ground. Turn off gas and water, etc. If you have to evacuate suddenly, have a pre-prepared getaway kit or a grab bag uh, prepared with essential food, equipment, medicine, key documents. Know where the local community emergency hub is or the civil defence centre and the safe route to get to there. And if you have to shelter in place, if your home becomes isolated, make sure that you've taken the time to prepare up to or beyond seven days worth of supplies. And make sure you've, you've practiced it and can effectively camp without electricity and water and communications in your own house. Uh, and finally, I'd consider buddying up with a specific neighbor. You know, pick someone you like and trust uh, and discuss how the two households will look after each other in the event of emergency. And why not even practice it? You know, make a day of it and practice your emergency drills. Um, and I'm pleased to say right now in Nelson, you reference this, there's, there's a fantastic example of community level response, which demonstrates resilience with individuals and and families and streets and communities actually helping themselves and each other, yeah. which is lovely to see in Nelson right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch that. Um, yeah, and people, you know, redirecting water coming down their street and everything all out there with their shovels. And... That's the one. Look, I yeah. think it's the same for any large-scale natural hazard. You know, the, the emergency services themselves are going to be affected by an AF8 or a major flood. Um, the emergency uh, management architecture is very robust, but again, there's only limited things we can do as we prioritize the response. So it's really important for individuals and families and communities to be able to be self-reliant, to develop resilience, and, and to get a plan to be able to respond to look after themselves and each other. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we do that quite well generally as a, as a nation and, a, and communities, don't we? I think we do, particularly one would one would say in uh, the rural parts of uh, Otago. This is nothing new to people who live in isolated rural communities. Uh, are we as well developed in this field in the urban area? Well, well, I'd hope so, and I'd encourage people to to, to get yeah. there if, if yeah. we can. Okay, so uh, moving on, I guess um, the next hazard would be vegetation fire. Um, you know, in Dunedin and Otago. What are the major causes of fires? And yeah, again, how can people pre prepare for and then what to do when if a fire occurs? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Uh, destructive wildfires uh, are more frequent and they're causing more damage in, in many parts of the world, uh, including New Zealand, uh, as shown by the recent Ohau, Tasman, Port Hills, 
etc. Cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's been three significant wildfire events which have required evacuations in Dunedin uh, in the last 15 years. And I think listeners might remember Burnside, for example, or some of the fires in Deep Stream Bucklands, which impacted on the water catchments. So mm-hmm. this is this is a very uh, real threat. These fires are caused often by human activity. Uh, uh, but research has shown that individual land ho- land uh, holders can play key roles in protecting their home and property. Uh, and of course, Fire Emergency New Zealand is the lead agency rather than, than us. Uh, FENS encourage people to take two key actions to help defend their homes and property from wildfire. Uh, and these are simple. These are, first of all, keep grass short around buildings, cut the grass around your buildings. And keep gutters and areas around the decks clear of dead leaves, debris, and pine needles. All right. I'd also like to remind listeners to follow the FENS advice. Uh, if you're considering lighting any kind of fire outdoors, uh, they have a website called Check It's All Right. Uh, please go there. Uh, if the local fire danger is high, very high or extreme, simply don't light the fire. Yeah. If the fire season is restricted, you'll need a permit. If it's prohibited, there's a total fire ban in place. And also remember to check the local council rules. Uh, there are often total fire bans on beach areas, etc. cetera. Uh, but the full details of this are on the FENS website. And like I say, they're the lead agency. Mm. Uh, we will be involved if uh, multi-agency coordination is required or perhaps additional resources. But quite often we'll respond uh, in a supporting role to FENS in the event of a significant wildfire. Yeah. Cool. So landslides um, is another potential hazard, which sort of goes hand in hand with the flooding scenario when there's lots of rain or or earthquakes even. Um, Anything else you want to add, you know, maybe around coastal erosion or um, that you haven't really already covered there? Um, Yeah, if if, if the listeners have an interest in, you know, the ability to get onto the DCC website, you see there's the City of Dunedin Emergency Management Plan which talks about the range of natural hazards we face here in Dunedin. Uh, and land stability divides into landslips, debris flow, erosion, retaining structure failure. I know that's an issue in Nelson right now. Uh, and and subsidence. Uh, so there's various types of you know stability issues that we face here. Uh, and if we if we not, if we need to know if our property or area of interest is at risk. Uh, we can contact the DCC and find out. They've got a very useful page on their website. It's easy to navigate to. Or, or you can call the uh, the council uh, directly on 03-477-4000 and discuss the hazard requirements. You can purchase a limb, for example, or a, a hazard information report if people are really concerned. In, in general terms, I'd say, how do we prepare for any of these land stability issues? Well, as for any emergency situation, the best time to think about it is now. Identify the risk, analyze the risk, develop a workable plan, rehearse it, tweak it so that in the event you're good to go and the people around you know what they have to do. Uh, The bottom line is always be able to do two things, stay or go. If you have to shelter in your safe but isolated home for up to or beyond a week uh, without power, water, communications, make sure you can do this. Get the stuff you need now because, you know, these events will happen. It's just a matter of time. Mm -hmm. Um, Second option is go. If you have to evacuate quickly, make sure you have grab bags prepared with a bit of food, a bit of warm gear, a bit of water, uh, 
the medicines you need and any key documents. So make sure you plan for all the household, including your animals. Mm, okay. So I thought, um, just thinking there's a few more to go, but I might just jump here to the tsunamis because that's probably something as an island nation we need to be um, pretty, um, you know, clued up on. So yeah. these can be caused, you know, by near source, like you were talking about the um, Akatori fault, you know, it's quite close. Yeah. Or yeah. then it could come from much further away from another country, which would give us time to prepare. But, yeah, could you talk a little bit about tsunami and then that new evacuation zone that's just come out online which I looked at, which is pretty handy. Um, yeah, sure. yeah. So we, we, we define a tsunami as a series of waves that moves through the ocean caused by sudden movement of the seafloor or by something falling into the ocean, most often caused by uh, undersea earthquakes, but also can be caused by landslides and volcanic uh, eruptions. Most tsunamis don't flood land, but they do cause strong and unpredictable currents and surges, which means it can be dangerous for people in the water, or on the beach or on the rocks. Uh, there have been 10 five-metre-plus tsunamis recorded in New Zealand since 1840. These have caused significant damage in the past, mainly to port infrastructure, uh, but only one single fatality. Uh, you've referenced it. We should note there are three main types of tsunamis, local source, regional, and distant source tsunamis. So the local source ones will be generated from those fault systems we have off the coast here, uh, that we're not expected to impact beyond uh, the beaches. However, they do they do cause a threat. No formal warning can be given because we're going to have to rely on the, the natural warning here, which is a phrase some of your listeners might be familiar with, which is long and strong, get gone. If you have an earthquake uh, that is of a minute's duration and it's difficult to stand up in, you've got to think what's coming next tsunami, local source tsunami, get gone, get gone where to, follow uh, a, a, an evacuation route, but move yourself to high ground uh, and, and take it from there. Yeah, so people Region need to be aware of whether they're in a risk, you know, zone that, you know, how, depending on their, how high they are, above sea level, etc. Yeah, 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 they do, of course. And now there's a, a new interactive tsunami map that NEMA have published. It's available by Googling the, uh, the NEMA site, the National Emergency Management Agency, or indeed Civil Defence Otago, and you'll see our website and an interactive map, which allows you to interrogate the part of the uh, Otago coast that you're yeah. interested in. Uh, there's three zones, effectively, uh, red, orange, and yellow, with very specific instructions as to what you should do in the event of particularly yeah. a local source tsunami. If it's a regional or distant source, we are going to get more warning, up to 12 hours if there's an earthquake event in South America, which means the formal warning systems can kick in and we will use all media available to alert people to take the right action. Yeah. So that can be they can find that at www.targocdem.govt.nz, can't they? Forward slash yes, that's, that, that's tsunami. Correct, yeah. Although I think it does pop up when you first go in, it keeps telling you to go look at it. Um, so um, just wrapping up, where, where can our listeners get information on preparedness? Um, you've got a Facebook page. Um, yeah, indeed we do. So the Otago CDM page has all this information uh, about the hazards and about what to do about them, how to get ready. Uh, we've got a very effective Facebook Facebook page as well, which is just Facebook, uh, Tago CDM on Facebook, uh, easy enough to find. There's a national Get Ready website I'd encourage people to look at with the type of detailed instructions about what 
to do in the events of these cases. Uh, and actually during a disaster, you know, we'll have a presence on Facebook. Uh, our website will be active. Uh, local radio stations will be used and potentially emergency uh, mobile alerts as well given on the uh, telecom network. Yeah. And that get ready websites, it's just getready.govt.nz, isn't it? And that's got yep. that's available in a few different languages. Yeah, yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, there's a booklet associated with that called "What Would You Do?" I'm quite happy to bring a supply of those, if, you know, to to whoever to whoever listeners or groups out there need them. Part of my yeah. role here is community engagement, so you know, I want to make people aware of the risks, and I want moreover to kind of inform them what to do about yeah. those risks. Well, maybe we could get some here at Citizens Advice Bureau and um, yep. people could come in and get them. Anyway, um, thank Delighted you. To bring that, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, thank you to Otago Access Radio and um, Spencer for hosting us and to our listeners, Namihi Kiakwe, Andy, for joining us today and um, sharing very useful and relevant information about civil defence emergency management here. Dunedin and Otago, um, yeah, and people can contact us at CAB on 4716166 or a free free phone nationwide 0800-367-222 or look at our website www.cab.org.nz. Yeah, um, for lots, for answers to thousands of questions and or email inquiries via that as well. And we've also got a Facebook page that you can follow. So, yeah, um, thanks again, um, Andy. Um, kia pai tora. Have a, have a good day. Thanks very much. Yeah. Kia ora, everyone. Kia ora. Thanks. Thank you, Andy. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.